I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics of the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I'm your other host, Margot Poupard. Today, we get to talk about a rom-com queen who is so ingrained in our podcast fabric that we've already talked about several of her movies so we're, that we're not even going to cover during this episode. We are talking about the one and only Miss Sandra Bullock. Which ones aren't we covering today? Like Practical oh. Magic, right? We notice uh-huh. the proposal. Uh-huh. Um, and then I feel like we've covered maybe one of her other movies. Did we talk about Hope Floats on this podcast? No, but I do have a little bit about Hope Floats in my notes. <laughs> we I know we've 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 name checked while we've... you were sleeping before, but like right. as an excellent not only holiday movie, but rom-com, even though there is amnesia involved, which is not yes. typically funny. But, And I also think I went on about it in our Patreon newsletter, which if you give us $5 a month on Patreon, you get two bonus pieces of content every month. And one of those things could be a newsletter. Look at that. Plug. Uh. Yeah. Before I get into my personal connection to Sandy B here, Margot, I have to ask, what's your favorite Sandra Bullock movie? Okay. Well, it's like I have a lot of I, – I, maybe can I give you a top three and, and sure, not sure. in any particular oh, order? Of course. Definitely like, while you were sleeping. The yes. net. And it really is a tie for me between Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. But I love <gasps> The Net because The Net is endlessly fun to revisit. They like had it up on Hulu at some point during quarantine and I – it's, I watched it an embarrassing amount of times because it's just it's so silly. Like, remember when the Internet was just like you could order pizza and like you played Pog? Like it was just yeah, a simpler like time. Of today's show segments with like, you know, Katie Couric. Yes, I, totally I also remember. like her style, you know, in it anyway. So, yeah, the net has to, it earns its place up there. But also while you're sleeping is great. And then, you know, Miss Congeniality 
is yeah. holds up. But also two weeks notice is very funny. And they share a screenwriter. So it kind of makes sense that I, you know, can't decide between the two. What about you? What are your favorite Sandy B yeah, movies? Oh, God. So definitely Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. Um, I thought I'd like Yaya Sisterhood as much as I did when I was younger because we had the DVD and like <laughs> it doesn't hold up as much as I thought. Um, so I'd have to say those two plus the proposal because I always have oh, so much yeah. fun when I watch the proposal. Yeah, she's got some great rom-coms that you can never go wrong with that you can put them on any time the proposal is just one that i haven't really gone back to revisit that much for some reason i was really into that movie that she did with ryan gosling like murder by numbers or maybe it was just like oh yeah numbers or something yeah i, I was, think you're i went through a phase where i was very into that movie mostly because it was like constantly on stars but i love and every time i watched it i would have like a different kind of like annoying critical opinion about it like she's trying to like make a turn into acting because up until that point i had only seen her in rom-coms or at least like light comedies not a lot of dramas but when i look at sandra bullock's imdb she is one of those actors where i didn't even realize i've watched 98 percent of her IMDb oh, yeah. puts on her IMDb, which is oh, kind yeah. of wild. She truly is like she's the movie star that Hollywood wants you to believe in, in the sense that like when you see her name attached to a project, you're like, yeah, I'll see that without even knowing anything about it. Like, oh, a great example oh, is yes. like the Lost City that's coming out. I was like, all I heard was like rom com, Sandra Bullock, uh, like is a romance novel. I was like, cool, I'm in. I mean, why else and would you and I watch? Were like, okay, when are we going? Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, why else would any of us watch like Hope Floats, right? Like, who even gives a shit about Hope Floats? But we know that she's in it. So if I want to cry to something, like, great, I'll pop on Hope Floats. Do I care about Bird Box? Like, no, but she elevates Bird Box. Like, she's just, she's great. Isn't she just the greatest? She just has a bunch of great movies. All she she's does. The, she's America's sweetheart. She really, really is. I mean, did you watch that clip of her with uh, on the Kelly Clarkson show where they are both laughing so hard they can't talk? And everyone's like, God, Sandra Bullock's yes. so cool. It's like, yeah, we know. She's been cool. Do you know how hard it is to be cool she's for like 25 some odd years or whatever and look that great? She's the best. What can't she do? She, <laughs> Women she's in amazing. STEM. I love her so much. <laughs> Women in STEM. <laughs> I love her so much. So I was so excited to do the intro for this episode because, like me, Sandra Bullock is from Northern Virginia, specifically Arlington, the same town where I went to high school. Growing up, you couldn't go into any local Arlington restaurant, diner, bar, what have you, that didn't have a Sandra Bullock photo. I'm thinking of one of my favorite delis, the Italian store where Sandra Bullock actually worked when she lived in Arlington as a teenager. I was also friends with a girl in elementary school whose mom used to babysit her. And Sandra Bullock's mom, the opera singer Helga Bullock, taught voice at my alma mater, Mary Washington, until she passed away in 2000. And I'm pretty sure I took voice lessons with the woman they hired after she passed away, which is kind of dark, but I digress. Um <laughs> Sandy B went to Washington Lee High School, which has, thank God, been renamed Washington Liberty High School, where my friends Ashley and Laura went uh, as well. Uh, after high school, she would get her BFA in acting from East Carolina University and then had a few roles in a bunch of little kind of smaller movies like Love Potion Number no. 9 with Tate Donovan, Demolition Man. And then she was the Sorry, lead. Sorry, those in are two also excellent movies. Demolition excellent Man. Excellent movies. And Love I'm, Potion Number no. 9. I don't think it's enough credit for being a great it does 80s not. movie. It's a great movie. It, it used to play on Comedy Central all the time as a yes. run. And I really enjoy it. And Demolition Man, I mean, 
so say stupid. no more, right? So, what so was a stupid, perfectly so dumb fucking movie. Like, yeah, anyway, the twist, if you haven't seen it, I shan't spoil it here, but I highly <laughs> recommend you watch it. She was also, fun fact, in an NBC TV show adaptation of Working Girl before it got canceled after eight episodes. But yeah. No I saw that too. Our and girl, I was Sandra. Like, I was like, that makes sense that I've never heard of her being in this because it lasted barely eight episodes. Like, did it get canceled in the middle of the eighth episode or something? Yes, it, it was not only vanished. was it a mid-season replacement. <laughs> like, I feel like it vanished same. from the history books of like her vanished. resume. It was just like, you never Fear. hear oh. about it. Which, good for her. Good for I her. Guess. But then yeah. she, she gets her big break in Speed in 1994 with Keanu Reeves. Followed by While You Were While You Were Sleeping in 1995, she goes on to be in a ton of movies, including Hope Floats, A Time to Kill, uh, Speed Two, The Net, etc. And before we get started, I did have to shout out again that we are covering or we're leaving out tonight or today a bunch of movies that she has done because we've covered so many like indirectly on this podcast. By the way, on the subject of her film credits, she's also a major producer, which you and I are going to chat about because it comes up in a few of our movies we're talking about today. Her first production credit was actually that she was the executive producer on Hope Floats, which was a movie she had to fight to get made. And basically the reason she agreed to do Speed 2 Cruise Control and was reportedly paid $11 million to do Speed 2, which like female actress in the 90s, very good money, which is saying something. Um, but that's all I have for my little intro. Margo, do you have anything you want to add before we get into it? I would just want to say that the episodes that we talk about the other Sandra Bullock movies for Practical Magic, I believe that's one of our Halloween episodes that we do about yeah. witches. So I think yes. you have to go back to like season two or three. And then more recently, I believe like in season four or five, somewhere in there, rom-com leading men. That's where we talk yep. about two weeks notice and the proposal and the proposal. Yeah. So if you want to hear about that, although they don't have a Sandra focus, I mean, practical magic does, but the rom-com leading men obviously doesn't have a Sandra focus, but if you still want to hear about it, I would go back and revisit those. So just wanted to put that out there in yeah. case you're wondering where to look for them. I'll try to link. Oh yeah. That's a good I'll idea. I'll try to link to those in, um, on Instagram and our, on our, uh, what is it? Our link tree page. <laughs> You're the one who I try to sound like thing. an influencer. Yeah, exactly. I and know, that's, I and that's why you manage I'm the only one tree. who should know. <laughs> so how do we want to split this up? I think you're the first one up because of miscongeniality. Well, where does – yeah. Well, I think it's actually – I'm here to shock you. It actually goes forces of nature then into miscongeniality. Oh. Ooh. The only movie Ooh. that's in between the two is 28 Days, that rehab movie, which I also watched. Another movie I would never, Agreed. ever watch if it wasn't for Sandra Bullock for being Sandra in Bullock. it. Yes. Agreed. So, Agreed. The I equine think I therapy? My parents. When people talk about I, equine therapy, I'm like, yeah, like in 28 <laughs> Days, they're like, what? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> never mind. I think it's why I hold a grudge towards Elizabeth Perkins sometimes is because she's kind of like a mean sister, even though like, yes, I realize Sandra Bullock has done a lot to ruin their relationship in that movie. But like, uh, anyway, yeah, again, Emily, she's an alcoholic. You, you have to forgive or forget or both if possible. <laughs> yeah, that movie was. Uh, but yeah, again. 
Imagine being like, I don't know, like 12 or whatever and being like, I want to watch the newest Sandra Bullock movie and picking that out at Blockbuster and putting it on and be like, uh-oh. I totally did that. I totally uh-oh, did I picked that. a bad, I didn't pick something that's for me. So um, that was my experience watching that movie. And then I, again, have watched it on a plane as like an adult and been like, yeah, this movie's still dark even as an adult when you don't fully understand things. So... Um, anyway, Forces of Nature on her IMDb page is after Practical Magic and Prince of Egypt. And then it's 28 days. And then it is uh, Miss Congeniality. But no. Yeah. Forces of Nature, actually both movies, Forces of Nature and Miss Congeniality, especially Miss Congeniality for how much money it made. I mean, it made for the amount of like think pieces there are in Legally Blonde, which is also a great movie, I kind of put them in the same kind of category. Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm, like the fish mm-hmm. out of water story, right? So for those two movies, for the amount of like, they, let's say they made about comparable money, the, the amount of think pieces to Legally Blonde to Miscongeniality is like shocking. Like the drop yes. off is noticeable. Yes. And Forces of Nature, although I didn't expect very much from, it's billed as a romantic comedy, except the, the it has a very weird tone, but I remember liking it. It's on Hulu. I didn't get around to rewatching it, but I will, and maybe I will share my findings. But this was, you could tell from this, from when you first watched it, like sight unseen or unknown, watching, walking into a movie theater in 1998 and watching this, this was peak leading lady time for Sandra Bullock. And it was mm-hmm, peak mm-hmm. leading man time for Ben Affleck. And it felt that way because they're, although they had chemistry, the two of them being in this movie together didn't really make sense when you watched it, if that if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. And I whenever I think of this movie, I for whatever reason I put bounce in the same category as well. Yes. Like just too- Right. And I get them confused a little like I, 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 I'm well aware that Gwyneth Paltrow is in bounce, but I will like frequently swap the titles. Have you seen Forces of Nature before? Yes, but like years ago, I was 12, 13. I think we had it on VHS or something. It was like one of those $5 VHSs. Oh, yeah. I mean, it had that one time I went to this uh, video rental place in uh, like a small town and they had the way that they had everything organized was like describing stuff on the poster. So all of oh, it was all yeah. grouped by similar posters and forces of nature would have been grouped under the poster category of like man in suit like falling through air with like free-spirited woman <laughs> like oh, is, is this a prototype for a manic pixie dream girl i i mean kind of right because like if you've never seen forces of nature it again it's billed as a romantic comedy but i feel like that's a misnomer because the romance doesn't actually transpire between sandra bullock and ben affleck it, right it's almost like if you called trains planes and automobiles a rom-com you know like that's that's sort of like the vibe here Although this movie was a success, it grossed $93 million worldwide and was on a $75 million budget. It wasn't critically well it wasn't critically well received at all. The Rotten Tomato score is 45%, and I will end on some choice quotes from Roger Ebert later. But there must have been something about Sandra Bullock playing a free-spirited, let's call her a freelancer, since she holds down many job titles, they are very varied. And Ben Affleck is a uptight book jacket blurb writer and something about the two of them being these opposites attract is what got this movie to be made in the movie sandra's sarah and ben's ben 
by chance happen to sit next to each other on a plane with when a seagull gets sucked up into the engine and it causes a mild plane crash. Everyone's like, plane crash, plane crash in the synopsis. I'm like, if they don't, they barely leave the tarmac, okay? It's like hardly right, a crash. Right. It's like a, you know, I don't know, <laughs> like a fender bender. So a, a plane fender bender. Yeah, like a, if a plane can have a fender bender with like the side of a building. <laughs> maybe those are the only fender benders planes get into anyway sarah and ben both have to travel to georgia ben has to go to georgia because he's getting married to more more attorney and sarah has to go for reasons that will be reluctantly revealed along the way hint hint it has something to do with an estranged child and i don't have this part of roger ebert's quotes in my notes but he goes off on a tangent about how fucking annoying and unearned the ending is because it has to do with this character reveal about Sandra Bullock but he in his review he's like it's such a stupid ass reveal he doesn't obviously say stupid ass because he's a Pulitzer Prize winning critic but he's like it's such a stupid ass reveal that I won't even tell you what it is because I don't even think it's worth mentioning I was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, upon having to, you know, upon having like a similar destination in Georgia, they take a series of trains and cars across the country to get and they get to know each other along the way. And also they have to pretend to be a doctor or a married couple, as you are wont to do in these situations. And it's, you know, there's like a quirky will there, won't they, but he's going to get married. And so there's no way to pull it off without making Sandra Bullock's character wholly unlikable, especially in the 90s. There's no way that, that she's not going to oh, be labeled as like, a homewrecker. So instead, they just sort of like build up this tension that kind of like lead up to nowhere. And then he gets married and it's like raining and they travel during a hurricane. And then they're surprised that like the hurricane shows up. It's very, um, if you ever watched the movie Serenity with Matthew McConaughey, when he's like driving around and he's like, it's the radio's like telling him what's going on. Like, it's very that, but with like the weather report, like, don't have a wedding. There's a fucking hurricane. And they're like, yeah, going through this wedding. Rain's supposed to be good luck. I'm like, these people are ridiculous. This is what it's like to be rich. You feel like you can control the weather. You know what I'm remembering from this trailer, Margot? And I, I've seen this movie before, but I've also seen the trailer significantly more times. And I think it was it was because mm-hmm. it was at the beginning of like a video or something that we had. And I'm remembering Rats. how much the edit pointed to the direction of Affleck and Bullock getting together. Like, even though they don't, like they 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 pointed at it so hard to give it that angle, probably to draw people to come to the movie. Yeah, I'm sure that was a huge part of the appeal. But I mean, it's sort of like Gigli. It's like it, what you get sold in the trailer is not what you end up watching, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that the Affleck twist? Like, I don't know. <laughs> He's the M. Night Shyamalan of like mid-budget rom-coms of the late 90s and early 2000s, which happens to be all that what we fucking talk about. So sorry, Benji. Yeah. <laughs> rooting for you and JLo, though. Like, you should be very happy that we're all rooting for you. Currently. (laughs) Anyway, Forces of Nature was directed by your fellow Canadian, uh, Bronwyn Hughes, who was coming off the success of directing Harriet the Spy. Despite the movie's commercial success, though, it seems like Forces of Nature kind of stalled her feature directing career because her next feature isn't until 2013. Uh, For context, Forces of Nature came out in like 99. Bronwyn has gone on to also direct tons of prestige TV, like Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, The 24 Reboot, and our personal favorite, The Good Doctor. I love that we got a Good Doctor connection in this episode. He touches many lives. 
Forces <laughs> of Nature and Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks, as I had said at the top, share the same writer in Mark Lawrence. I thought I was going to have more to say about him when I got him mixed up with Busy Phillips' husband, but that's not him. So we shall move on by talking about a plantation. So this movie is why Ben Affleck owns a plantation house in Savannah that he cannot get rid of. If you will, cast your mind back to... Uh, early pandemic when him and Ana de Armas were going on constant pap walks. Anyway, if you will recall, at some point towards the end of their relationship, they went to go visit this plantation house that he could not get rid of. And you could tell from the pap shots that she is absolutely mortified that he owns this place and to be seen there, which is very funny to me. <laughs> so filming, though, of Forces of Nature took place over three days at South of the Border, which is a tourist attraction near Dillon Beach. And I've been in- there. Oh, okay. Oh, you have? Yeah, so when you're going to like from North Carolina to South Carolina, you mm-hmm. go you go to this place and it's called South of the Border and it's this like total tourist trap. It's like full of very racist stereotypes in hindsight of just oh, like sombrero yeah. wearing cartoon characters and you just for the next 50 miles you don't stop seeing billboards to go to this place. Okay. Yeah, so it's like world's biggest ball of yarn kind of stuff. Mhm. 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 So they shot at the tourist attraction, and they also shot at the Joseph Johnson house, which is about to be problematic very quickly. Uh, it's a private home on Craven Street in Beaufort, South Carolina, known as the Castle, and it was used as the Cahill House, which is the house that um, Ben Affleck's character and more an attorney's character are getting married at. So it's known by locals as the castle because this home has been around since the 1800s and probably and prior to the Civil War. It was built for Dr. Joseph Fickling Johnson, who moved his family into the house in 1861 while it was incomplete. Decorative features such as ironwork and railing could not make their way to the builder, J.S. Cooper, due to the presence of the Union blockade ships. The castle was the last house built in Beaufort before the Union occupation of the town in December of 1861. I also perused a bit of this this house's tourist page and it was also occupied by union soldiers and they used the whole house and it was sort of like a big base for them and it has a lot of like cringy civil war business around it but it is a you know a southern pride museum i guess nowadays because you can go visit it you you know get the money anyway so if you want to find out more about the castle in beaufort south carolina go forth and be upset so before we move on to miss congeniality let's hear a word from ebert from beyond the grave about what he thinks about forces of nature Of course, circumstances conspire to make him, Ben Affleck, pretend to be a doctor and them to pretend to be married and a motel to put them in the same room and his best man to see him with this strange woman, even though he tries to hide by holding his breath in a swimming pool and so on. Rarely does the artificial contrivance of a bad screenplay reveal itself so starkly on the screen. And when the contrivances stop, the revelations begin and we learn sad things about Bullock's past that feel exactly as if Mark Lawrence, the writer, supplied them at random. They have a lot of adventures. Arrests, crashes, trees falling on their car, hospitalizations. They take a train for a while, in parentheses, standing on top of one of the cars in a shamelessly pandering shot, end parentheses. And they take a bus with condo shopping oldsters and a spinning sombrero ride. At one point, they find themselves performing on stage in a strip club, not quite the kind of club you have in mind. The scenes would seem to be foolproof comedy, but the timing is off and it stinks. 
That's all you need to know about forces of nature. Although I wouldn't say it's necessarily that bad. It's just kind of uneven and the tone is odd. And it does that thing that they love from the late 90s where they put it through that like midnight in the garden of good and evil filter. Like everything kind of has like a brassy green tone to it. Yeah, that was such a popular thing, especially in like music videos. Oh, my God. We love that in music videos. Mm hmm. So. I only have one question for you, Emily. What's your perfect day? Oh, April 25th. <laughs> it's April 25th. April 20- it's April 25th because it's not too hot, not too cold. Just uh, enough for a light jacket. Did I get that right? <laughs> perfect. Ding, ding. Well, you already know this is going to be about miscongeniality. I was really actually surprised to learn that it was released in December of 2000. Like, I, it didn't really strike me as like a winter release, but here we are, released December 22nd of 2000, directed by Donald Petrie, written by Mike Lawrence, Katie Ford, and Karen Lucas. If you've never seen it, first of all, how dare? Second of all, stop listening to this right now and go watch it and then come back. But whatever, here's a quick plot summary anyway. FBI agent and noted tomboy Gracie Hart has to go undercover as a contestant when a terrorist threatens to bomb the Miss United States pageant. A literal blockbuster, Miss Congeniality grossed $212 million worldwide and Sandra received, and I understand that they suck now, a Golden Globe nom as a a result. An eventual sequel would be released five years later. The film also stars Michael Caine, Benjamin Bratt, and Candace Bergen with William Shatner and Ernie Hudson making appearances. All of this star power, though, cannot save it from a Rotten Tomatoes score of 42%. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I know, right? What the fuck? I, I I, will not tolerate this Bullock slander. They are so cruel. What the fuck is this bullshit, dude? This movie has an Oscar. Like, come on. What are we doing? This movie's great. I have what? more problems with her Oscar-winning turn oh, than I have with any of her rom-coms. Oh, 100%. She yes. should have won for Miss Congeniality. Yes. yes. Hello. Yes. Oh, in a section that I call That's Not True, Ellen. Unfortunately, this movie has a weird tie to Ellen DeGeneres. She apparently claims oh, that the writer, no. one, one of the writers was inspired when they watched her walking in high heels in a dress in preparation for the Emmys. That's right. She told Parade Magazine in 2014, inspiration struck one of the film's writers when they saw TV footage of her rehearsing in heels in a dress ahead of her Emmy hosting gig. Quote, Miss Congeniality was written based on me, Ellen said at the time. E followed up to ask the director if there's any truth to that. And he said, quote, that would be a Sandy question because he isn't really sure where the origin story comes from. <laughs> so I'm going to give that a big old Dakota Johnson saying that's not true, Ellen. More fun behind the scenes. And this is just sort of like a mishmash that I put into chronological order because, again, everyone, in the words of Jorinda Medley, should be very ashamed of themselves. There is no deeper dive on miscongeniality. Y'all haven't rounded we, up this crew to reflect. We are tech avail. We are but, tech avail. Please, Vulture, someone, Ringer, anybody. Like, we can talk about the price. Like, let's just get this. We, you're telling me that we can't set up a Zoom? What, what is this? What's happening? This is, uh, we're going into the 22nd year of this movie being released and the silence could not be louder. Definitely. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, thank you to, I believe it is a Cosmo piece that had a bunch of like fun facts that I was able to help fill out some of this behind the scenes stuff. So thank you, Cosmo, and all of your wisdom. 
So the director stepped in actually at the last minute and replaced the previous director just seven weeks prior to the start of filming. Sandra Bullock and Michael Caine had already been cast. And that was all Donald Petrie needed to know before saying yes. Who the original director was, I couldn't find, nor could I find an answer as to why he left the project. But I could probably think it's safe to say creative differences due to my next bullet point. The previous director was apparently trying to make this movie more of like a spoof comedy about pageants, whereas the director that ultimately ended up making Miss Congeniality pitched it more as a action comedy, like Lethal Weapon, but at a pageant. And Sandra Bullock is the Mel Gibson. Pardon the comparison, but that is who's cast in Lethal Weapon. How funny, though, because like that's this is two years after Drop Dead Gorgeous, like or no, not even because Drop Dead Gorgeous comes out in 99, I think. Mm -hmm. Like it's surprising that they would have tried to have gone with that angle. In the pitching phase, I'm sure whenever this movie got pitched, like so who even knows? Um, Maybe it wasn't even out yet or it was just still in development because these things Mm -hmm. have like a. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Long tail on them, so who Yeah. Even, and who knows that like I know that he came in at the 7 week mark. But I think when they initially maybe had tapped this director to do it, maybe it had been going for a little bit longer. So if it was released in at the end of 2000, they probably shot it at the beginning of 99. So maybe Dr. Gorgeous wasn't even out yet. So And the development process probably would have started like at least the year before. That's true. Another fun thing to think about uh, is that Matt Dillon was almost Eric Matthews. Because Matt Dillon was coming off of the success of There's Something About Mary, and he came very close to landing the part of Sandra Bullock's partner and also love interest. But it ultimately went to Benjamin Bratt, who had a quote-unquote comfort level already established because they were in Demolition Man together. But another fun thing that I had read that I didn't include in my notes, though, is that Matt Dillon also really wanted to beef up his character so that he had like more to do because Benjamin Bratt's character is sort of I wouldn't say an afterthought, like he's a catalyst of a lot of the stuff going on, but it's obviously not about him. And clearly Matt Dillon wanted to make it a little bit more about him. And so I'm glad that they found somebody who's cool with being second banana to Sandy's banana. Brad, everything, and Brad has some good one-liners, but everything is like played off of what's happening to Sandy B. So no, completely. And also I like that Brad, Brad, because he was on Law and Order at the time still, like, brought on like it, it feels legit it feels legit yeah i feel like he was a perfect straight man you know he yes. understands the assignment he's like this is what i'm here to do it's not about me i'm here to like make this funnier and be the person that she plays off of 
And I think that him and Michael Caine also have like a great chemistry. But we're not talking about them. <laughs> we should talk about Edward Herman, who was another close call to being in the movie. They shot an initial scene with him that was actually supposed to open up the movie where Gracie shows up to her father's wedding and her dad is played by the late Edward Herman, who is best known as Richard Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls. But in test screenings, it kind of dragged the whole movie down, so they ended up cutting it. But the whole reason why Edward Herman was even cast in the first place is because him and the director are good friends. Also, in the first half of the movie, when Eric and Gracie are wrestling in the gym... To, part- to convince her to participate in the beauty pageant. Apparently, Sandra Bullock kicked him real hard in the crotch there, and they used limited stunt doubles, so it really, you know, it, that happened. That take was for realsies, because they had to call cut after. A key part of getting the film to work, though, was figuring out how to make Sandra look less beautiful than she normally is in the first half of the film before she undergoes her makeover. So what they ended up doing was kind of dressing her down, obviously, makeup and what I love the most, bad lighting. And they frizzed up her hair, a la Amanda Seyfried in The Dropout. But the bad <laughs> lighting, because the the light does change when she has that shift over. Like, suddenly, you know, we go from, like, the grim winter of wherever they are on the East Coast where it's cold, to the sunny Texas bright blue skies. And you could tell, I mean, I didn't realize how much lighting had to do with that. And I just thought that was fun. The April 25th joke is also an inside joke for the director. The line was always in there, but he asked the writer to make a small tweak because it's actually his wife's birthday, which I think is very cute. And they are delighted annually by the amount of memes about April 25th. And then just some... Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's so cute. And just a couple of quick little fun things. Like, because I was always very curious where they shot all the pageant scenes, but they shot it at a concert hall at the University of Texas, Austin. And they shot all of the pageant stuff that was outside in at the Omni in Austin and South Park. But the best, and I'm saving it for last, fun fact is that a real housewife of Dallas had a small part in. Miss Congeniality, the one, the only, the Knives for Hands, Ms. Leanne Locken. She has a very small part as Ms. Nebraska, and when they asked the director if he knew that, if he knew her and then knew that she was on Real Housewives, he responded, I didn't know that, although he admittedly did not recall a lot of their interactions while shooting. (laughs) And that is the shockingly short bit that I have about Miss Congeniality. Well, I, you know, same like you, just don't have that much to go with here, but we'll just dive into it because we're going in chronological order. I'm just going to go into Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, which is a 2002 movie that was directed by Callie Corey with a screenplay written by Callie Corey and adapted by Mark Andrus. Callie Corey, who we've definitely talked about on the pod before, is best known for winning the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay for Thelma and Louise and later creating the TV show Nashville, starring Connie Britton and Hayden Panettiere. And then Mark Andrus is best known for writing the screenplay Old Friends based on his own life, which he and James L. Brooks would later rewrite into the Oscar-nominated screenplay for As Good As It Gets, which I've mentioned many times is my dad's favorite movie because <laughs> he so- loves Jack Nicholson. Such a wild connection to as good as it gets the Oscars and uh, James L. Brooks. <laughs> just, I just, just a one, two, three. <laughs> I mean, it's all the connections. And what's funny is that Oscar was lost to Goodwill Hunting, starring Ben Affleck because Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote that script. So there's all sorts of 
connections. Sandy B knows how to pick them. Mark Andrus would later write Life is a House and the Lindsay Lohan, <gasps> Felicity Huffman, and Jane Fonda classic Georgia Rule. Classic. <laughs> classic with quote marks. Yes, classic giant mess of confusion, but uh, still compelling nonetheless. But also Life is a House. Hayden yes, Christensen. Hayden Christensen. I have not seen that movie in years. It has a oh, tinge. God. It, I know, I know. It has a tinge of a of of like um Nicholas Sparks vibe to it, if I recall correctly. Yes. But, but with, not Nicholas Sparks. Exactly. But without the like patented formula, right? Like it lacks a yes. little bit. It needed some Nicholas Sparks, but it didn't yes. have it. Couldn't but it was also around the same time that there were like a lot of movies with the name house in it. Like, what was that movie where like a woman's son gets murdered? Like oh, the by- ice house. The ice no. house, no, but there was like the, no, ice the storm. house. Uh, there was one that was like the whatever. It doesn't really matter. But there was another house named movie that when I went in to go rent Life as a House, they're like, "Oh, this." I'm like, "I don't know what this is." Like the one with Hayden Christensen, my future boyfriend in it, <laughs> star of Zoe's fan fiction, <laughs> one of these stars. Let one us not forget stars. Randomly, Matt Damon <laughs> is in An it. Ensemble cast. <laughs> Randomly Matt Damon, uh, Orlando Bloom, and who was the third? It was and Hayden. Oh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. <laughs> what a ragtag group of random white guys. I from just that like time. The, the nerdy hot guys of of the late nineties, early two thousands. I guess um, so. So, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood is based on Rebecca Wells' 1996 novel of the same name and the prequel uh, that came out in 1992, Little Art Alters Everywhere. Um, I've read both of these. Uh, source material is kind of, in the movies, they stick to it, but paraphrase a few things here and there and change a thing or two. Rebecca Wells will go on to write another prequel of short stories called Yaya's in Bloom. And the plot of this film, which has a few differences, mostly centers around the relationship between Siddeley Walker, played by Sandra Bullock, who is a playwright, and her mother, Vivian Walker, played by Ellen Burstein. Sidda discloses her unhappy and abusive childhood to a New York Times writer, and as a result, she and her mother exchange several dramatic back and forths via phone calls and letters that end up with Vivian cutting Sidda out of her will, and Sidda uninviting Vivian from her wedding to her fiancé, Connor, played by Angus McFadden. Vivi's childhood best friends, The Yaya's, played by Fanola Flanagan, Maggie Smith, and Shirley Knight, decide it's up to them to fix this mother-daughter relationship to explain Sita what happened with her mom in the past. Rounding out the cast are athlete Ashley Judd, who plays younger Vivian, along with James Garner, who plays Sita's father, and Vivian's husband, Shep. And behind the scenes... There is really not much to talk about, much like the other films we've mentioned earlier. This was filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, at the same time they were filming A Walk to Remember. And Wilmington is where a lot of things we've talked about on the pod have been filmed because it's a perfect filming location for a small southern town by the water. So if you're Dawson's Creek, you try to imagine it as Massachusetts. And if you filmed One Tree Hill there, they filmed Auntie Griffith. They filmed a ton of things over there. And of course... Much like Forces of Nature, they featured a plantation. Um, Yikes, yikes, yikes. But ultimately, I don't really have anything else to say about this movie. It's, you know, upon rewatching it, it's it's not as good as I remember it, but still not bad because, you know, Sandra Bullock and a good ensemble cast. The movie itself, though, grossed $73 million worldwide on a $27 million budget and currently holds a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes, which like... 
I would not put that, I would put Miss Congeniality much higher, and yet it is only 1% higher that is shocking. Yaya's sisterhood. I yeah. know. I know. That's all I have to say. Do you remember seeing this movie, Margo? I do remember seeing it. Classic. Saw it either on HBO or a rerun and then watched it again on a plane thinking like, oh, yeah, I think I like that. And being like, nope, did not like that. Um, I remember liking the book more than I liked the movie. Agreed. I thought the pacing Agreed. of the movie was a little like, oh my God, like let's just go where I felt like the book had a, a better clip to it. Maybe it's just the way that they they cut back and forth between I, the time periods. But um definitely enjoyed the book more. I do think if this, you know, this is a pre Reese Witherspoon production company, I <laughs> do think that if it had the Reese Witherspoon treatment. Yes. Uh I think it would have been better. Like I saw that where the Crawdad sing trailer this morning. And I was like, you know, after doing all this research on Yaya sisterhood, I was like, you know what? This could have used a bit of Reese. Well, the way that we both agreed that life as a house needed a little Nicholas Sparks, Yaya sisterhood needed a little Reese Witherspoon shine. That's right. That's right. And now we'll talk a little bit about Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous, which by the way, was released Five years after the first Miss Congeniality, I was kind of shocked. I for, I like fully remember it being earlier. Really? Yeah. No, I was actually surprised it came out as late as it did after because it was such a box office smash. But I do wonder yes. if between like scheduling and stuff and who even knows what happens behind the scenes, if it just kept getting pushed back, that was one of those things. Because by the time it did come out, it sort of felt like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not quite Avatar sequel level of years, but like. Oh, right. But yeah. And also not quite enough. Avatar's sequel amount of money either. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. No. The sequel truly no one ever asked for, I might add. Like, who who was this made for? Are there that many fans of the Navi people that are going to okay. be lining the streets? Like, I don't know. Stop telling me that you haven't watched uh, being or what is it? Uh, How to with John Wilson, because the answer to that question might shock you. And it is in that show in the second season. I have not caught up on the second season yet, I and now need I am. You to. I need it to is, immediately. It is so fucking good, Emily. I mean, it takes some turns, and one of the turns is that he ends up meeting like <laughs> an avatar support group. It's, it, I mean, <laughs> you laugh, and then like that's the fucked up part of how to with John Wilson. Sorry to do. It. See, this no. is why you host the episode with guests. Like, watch me go on this side tangent. Watch me walk down oh this path. Oh my god. Um, but, like that's problem. The best thing about how to with John Wilson is like you're laughing at like this absurdity, but then somebody has like a real moment, and the next thing you know, you're fucking sobbing. And so you're gonna laugh, and then you are gonna cry when you see this Avatar group, and you're like, I need to stop watching this show. It is upsetting me on like so many levels. But uh, yeah, apparently, yeah. The, the answer to your question is tens of hundreds of wow Navi fans. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well. On to Miss Congeniality 2, which has more, at least in my eyes, had more apparent fans. Uh, it was released in 2005, directed by John Pasquin, who's best known for basically being Tim Allen's, and I use this word lightly, all right, creative partner. <laughs> what else has he directed? 
He produced Home Improvement and directed several episodes and was an exec producer and director for Last Man Standing. He also directed a string of Tim Allen movies, including The Santa Claus, Jungle to Jungle, and Joe Somebody. There it is. I was like, I've heard this name. Yeah, I've heard this name before. And it's the Jungle to Jungle that like really kind of struck me. I was like, ah, yes. And then also the Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, I, to, for someone that I don't like very much, Tim Allen, uh, this man has had somehow like this creative partner for like 30 some years. Because that's really when you think about when Home Improvement aired and Last Man Standing was on TV, that's that's 30 years. That's insane to me that someone would stand Tim Allen that long enough to be his creative partner. Um, but I digress. <laughs> the script was written by Mark Lawrence, who you mentioned wrote the first movie's screenplay. And the movie was one of Bullock's many producer credits that we talked about earlier on in the episode. And on the subject of that, she said in an interview, it does make for a schizophrenic experience. There are times where I'd rather be performing. And she also emphasized during production that this was meant to be a buddy cop movie more than a rom-com where just because this starred women didn't mean there had to be a romantic edge. And come to think of it, this is actually the first of many Sandra Bullock movies where it isn't necessarily a rom-com like Ocean's 8 or The Heat. And there are a bunch of other ones. Like even in the original one, like you mentioned earlier, um, Benjamin Bratt's character is the romantic interest, but he is not like their relationship and their their ultimate, you know, uh, them getting together at the end is not the the central focus of the movie's plot. Um, and I love that about Sandra Bullock is like she we use the term rom-com here because she's been in several rom-coms. But ultimately, a lot of the movies that she has been in front of as an executive producer doing kind of the dual role have been a lot less focused on that romantic part of the relation or of the plot. So I'm going to just kind of summarize the plot of this as uh, quickly as possible. The plot is all around Gracie Hart basically immediately following the movie, the first movie, which is again weird because this was filmed five years later, um, where she's just trying to do her job of being an FBI agent, but her cover gets blown during a bank heist that she's trying to bust. And then she's also getting dumped by her boyfriend, Eric, on the phone, which for me means they didn't want to pay Benjamin Bratt or he didn't want to be in the sequel. Or again, like as Bullock said, this was meant to be a buddy cop movie. So anyway, the FBI decides they want Gracie to be the face of the FBI and her boss, Agent McDonald, played by Ernie Hudson, makes this offer for her to do all sorts of publicity for the Bureau. So she reluctantly agrees and gets Agent Sam Fuller, played by the wonderful Regina King, assigned to her as her security detail. And the two clearly don't like each other at first, but reluctantly agree to work together when Cheryl Frazier, you know, Miss Rhode Island and the current Miss United States, played by Heather Burns, and Stan Fields, played by William Shatner, are kidnapped in Las Vegas. The majority of the film takes place in Vegas, where hijinks ensue, where at one point Sam poses as a Tina Turner impersonator and Gracie is a showgirl. And much like the first movie, Gracie goes against the authorities to do the right thing. And at the end, she and Sam save the day. Other notable people in the cast include Diedrich Bader as Joel, Gracie's new stylist, Treat Williams as Walter Collins, and I forgot about this one, Nick Offerman as Carl Steele, and Leslie Grossman as Pam. Some, yeah, I know we love Leslie Grossman on this podcast. 
Some fun cameos include Regis Philbin and Dolly Parton as herself in this scene where Sandra Bullock mistakes her for an impersonator, tries to chase her down to interrogate her only to pin her down and realize she's the real Dolly when she gropes her boobs, which feels highly inappropriate. But yeah, that was that was hard to listen to. <laughs> that was a lot hard, hard to hear you say that a lot, a lot. <laughs> I can't say that I've revisited this one more than one to two times. Like, it's not the April 25th of my heart, you know? No. (laughs) Great, great reference right there. Thank thank you. Well done. Well done. Um, No. And and to be fair, even Bullock herself is just like, looks back at this movie and at Speed 2. And it's like, for her, the reasons why she does not like to do sequels. Mm -hmm. She has, in both instances, kind of done it. Uh, only to cave into kind of studio pressure or money or for, you know, the studio to consider doing another project of hers. But really, this is like not one she looks back on as favorably as the first movie. And they really hadn't had plans for a sequel. They thought that they were going to kind of have this. They jokingly even said that like this was almost supposed to be a continuation of the first film, like like that they just couldn't make in time. And Sandra Bullock joked that like, if you showed up to the theater with a ticket stub for the first movie, you should get in for free. Most of this was filmed in Vegas, uh, including the Treasure Island and Venetian resorts, and then uh, the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign, and then the Klondike Hotel and Casino. And the stand-in for the FBI quarters was actually just a courthouse in Nevada, the Lloyd D. George Federal District Courthouse. Really nothing much else to talk about in this because much like the first Miss Congeniality and these other Sandra Bullock movies we've talked about today, there is not a whole lot of world history going on. Um, But ultimately, this movie will be released March 24th, 2005 and grossed over $100 million globally despite bad reviews from critics. It currently holds a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. And like I said earlier, Bullock has gone on to say that she was not a fan of doing this movie or Speed 2 and doesn't like doing sequels in general. And that's really all I have for Miss Congeniality 2. So before we end this episode, Margot, I'd like to tell you that I have a list of her 10 of Sandra Bullock's 10 highest grossing movies. Do you think you can get a few of these movies on this list? Uh, so you're telling me we have a Sandy Bullock blockbuster box office game is what you're telling me. Uh, correct. Ding, so, ding, you just, ding. so you just want me to name them, not necessarily like which one I think is the most profitable, but like the uh, ones that I think would make this top 10. I, I'll what tell you what, can, can you name, do you think you could name half of these? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Give it, give it a whirl. Okay. Speed. Yes. Miss Congeniality. Yes. Um, I'm thinking because all I can think of is Bird Box, but I, that's not like a blockbuster. So don't that don't count that towards my answer. That's not my answer. <laughs> <laughs> is Gravity on there? It is. Yes. Okay. okay Which I saw okay. in a theater in a theater in San Francisco when I didn't even live here. Um, and ended up living two blocks down from it. I was visiting a friend and we saw Gravity. And then like two years later or three years later, I was living in a studio a block away from that movie theater. And a strange twist. Well, that movie terrified me in theaters because I don't like floating around in space. <laughs> as a, it did. And yeah. as a uh, control freak type A, that should shock zero people to find <laughs> that out about me. Um, the sad keeps sagging. <laughs> uh, is, uh, is the heat on this list? 
It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. So you have four out of yeah. five. You have four. Fuck yeah. Because that movie's great and it should totally be on that list. It's a I, great movie. I love the heat. I'd say give us a sequel, but she doesn't want to do it. And you know what? I'm not in the business of forcing her. Um, <laughs> okay. Last guess. Oh, is Prince of Egypt in there? It is. Well okay. done. Because Disney um, movies print money, baby. Okay. So do. what's the rest of this list? Well, could you All tell right. me the list in, in correct order, please? Well, oh, okay. Okay. Do you want me to go from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? I'll go 10 to 1. Yeah, that's okay. Fine. Okay. So let's start with The Prince of Egypt, which grossed $218 million. Okay. Miss Congeniality grossed $212 million. So, oh, I think it's adjusted. Oh, I see what it is. It's like 1999 numbers versus, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, A Time to Kill, which is $152 million, again, adjusted for inflation. Uh, Speed grossed $350 million. Oh, fuck. Ocean's 8, uh, $297.8 million. Really? Yeah, I, I, I didn't think anybody fucking saw that movie. But no. okay. I saw it. It was clearly for me a plain slash stream movie, but 317 million for the proposal. The Heat made 229 million dollars. I don't know if these are in order, but this is what Wikipedia had in order, so we'll go with it. Um we have the blind side, 309 million dollars. Really? This yes. is like it, I'm sorry, the blind side is like Green Book. I've never seen either of these movies. I have zero intention. I don't know one person personally who's seen this movie. And I just, I refuse to acknowledge its existence. I saw The Blind Side once. It was not good, obviously. And after that, certainly never saw Green Book. Um, It's like the white savior. Like, Yeah, you're like, will not trick me twice here. (laughs) Yes, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, Okay, so Gravity made $732 million. Oh, I didn't realize they made that much money. Oh, Margo, you are not going to believe what the number one is on here. What's number one? Minions. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, of course that passed me by. Minions isn't for me. I'm not a child. $1.159 billion, Margo. That means money, baby. What the fuck? Really? I mean, they don't even speak real words. That's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, go Sandra, go Minions. Every, I mean, I'm happy. Whatever. Like, whatever makes you money. I mean, I probably had way worse jobs than voicing something on fucking Minions. So <laughs> I have zero legs because she is the one who laughs all the way to the bank. That's, I mean, that's truly wild. I mean, of course it's yes. Minions. That feels like one of those things is like, oh, duh. I mean, of course. Duh. Yeah. They, you can't stop those little yellow people. Like, they are. What are they? Are they a thumb? What, what is it? A banana yeah, slug? They're a minion. Okay. Well, that's not real. <laughs> I don't know. Ask DreamWorks. Like, I, I whatever I they are, <laughs> they make a lot of money. Um, I know. They just seriously print minions cash. Better than Ush Bucks, tell you that. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Well, on that note, we say, uh, we thank you. <laughs> What a I note to go out on. Minion. Oh, you were going to do a minion, minion voice? No, I'm not going to do it, though. I would not, I will not subject our audience to such a horrible thing. I would also but feel very bad do- because I could not yes and you because I don't, like, you're like minion voice. I'm like, what do they sound like? I don't know. No, I, I don't know either. I only know because of pizza commercials. Like, I'll be 
quite honest. I did see Despicable Me once, but it was so long ago and it was only once. I could not tell you. But rather than subjecting you all to that, (laughs) I will just, we will just end and thank you for listening to our (laughs) second episode of our seventh season. And if you like what you heard today, Without the minion voice. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the possibilities with the minion voice. You can, in fact, join that old millennial cinematic universe on our Patreon page. Yes, that's right. You may have heard. We have a Patreon. And for $5 a month, you get access to two pieces of content. And you get to hear a whole lot more of our great voices hopefully no minion impersonations. We understand, of course, that there may be something going on that prohibits you from being able to pay us five bucks a month. And that's okay. We would really love if you could support us by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps increase our, I don't know what you want to call it, your our reach. I'm losing words today. But if you <laughs> go ahead and do that, you're doing that'll great. help us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But also just know that you can additionally follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the old millennials pod, where we're posting lots of fun content. And individually, if you like to hear our thoughts, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Emily A. Beijing. And I'm at Margs, she wrote. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.